Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Amen. Um, so this morning, uh, um, I want to start off on a little series, and this might just kind of be the dipping the toe in it, called Jesus is Better, the Jesus is Better series. And he is better, amen? Not that he needs to get better from anything, but he is better. And um, he wants us to have him in all his fullness. The Bible says, have Christ we live on this earth, and to have Christ is the most vital thing that any human being can have, to have Christ, and to, f- to be able to walk in His ways. So I believe that there's a message over the coming weeks in this series, Jesus is better in many things. And, you know, I'm thankful. Jesus leads me into a better place, into a better way. There's a lot of... Um, in, in Scotland, we, 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 we know the word space cadet, but spiritual astronauts, who sometimes you think, you know, Lord, you know, help us just to understand that all we need to do is have Christ, know the cross, and um, do what your word says. And, uh, you know, there was, a, I, I heard a story of a couple of young um, Christian men who were, who were growing up and they were very, very into the word. They were very pious and they had to get to a church meeting, but they missed the bus. And so they, they knelt down at the bus shelter and they prayed for another bus to come. But whilst their eyes were closed, another bus went past. And so um, later on, they were told that they should have watched and prayed. <laughs> so... A lot of times we, we, you know, we can't go through our Christian lives with our eyes shut. And, um, you know, and we have to be aware of all the, the crazy stuff that's going on these days as well. And we, we have to have Christ, that Jesus is the better way. There was, a, there was a priest in 1842 who predicted the end of the world in 1847. And so he got in touch with the church and he says, can I publish my prediction about the end of the world? And they gave him permission to publish it in 1848. <laughs> so there's all, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, and, but Jesus is the better way. And when we find his way and we plug into him and we listen to him, we won't go astray. Amen. And so I'd like to, make a, I'd like to share on joy this morning. And you might have heard, uh, oh, we've heard loads of messages on joy but I think there's something different this morning that, that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say. And so I want to speak on the connection between two things this morning. One is the second fruit of the Spirit. What is the second fruit of the Spirit? Joy. Love is the first. So joy. And the second thing um, I want to connect it with, or rather as the second place I want to connect it with, is the source of the fruits of the Spirit. And... Um, where, do we, where, do the, where are the fruits of the Spirit cultivated? Where do they grow? In our hearts, in the presence of God, as we, sh- as we are in God's presence. That's what happens. Amen. 
So these things are cultivated when we're with God. In Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, you will show me the path of life because in your presence is fullness of joy. Um, I, I, I've had, you know, I'm sure there's people here this morning that have had a challenging week or maybe a past 24 hours. I certainly know John has. But I, I also had a challenging uh, last 24 hours. But you know what? Um, there's still, I still sense the joy of the Lord help, helping, helping us to get over the things that come against us. In your presence is full of joy. That means that you, you have a festive spirit. You have mirth and you have gladness. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I've been thinking about our children's outreach next month. This is going to be one of the most important outreaches the church has this year. Been thinking on childlike things. I was thinking of my early days in the Lord. I was thinking of my childhood even before I knew the Lord, thinking about simple things in our childhood. For some of us, it only seems like a few years ago. For some of us, it seems like a long time ago. Joy, simplicity, confidence, all these childlike attributes that Jesus refers to. And it reminds me that we can approach our Heavenly Father as sons and daughters, full of confidence, full of, full of joy, knowing that He's a good Father and He's a Father that doesn't withhold the things He does withhold. You know, I love that song, You Give and Take Away. I always thought of that in a negative sense. But he takes, he will remove things for your, from your life. He will take things away that will make a way. Yes. And so, um, you know, uh, and one thing, especially if you see some of our kids here that they have no lack of is excitement. And I thought, you know what, in our Christian lives, is there something that is exciting us right now that we're fit to burst at? And uh, I was just talking to... Um, Oh my, I was just talking, <laughs> we were talking about Sweden this morning Christine. with Christine. I was just talking to Christine about Sweden and Christine in her short just time there just now managed to come into contact with some people and uh, I, from what you were saying, I didn't, I didn't get the impression they had much excitement about life with the Lord. And I think that this is also something in this series we'll be looking at is building up expectation and excitement about what God is going to do. And we're going to begin, if you haven't already begun to lay things down in this season and time to make way for the things that are coming, then I would encourage you to do so. But I want to say this, we can come into our, our Father's house, into His presence with joy. That's the connection I want to make this morning, that joy is connected to the presence of God. Joy is connected to the presence of God. And so if you look in Deuteronomy 12, and you know your, the word, God, God in the Old Testament says, I'm going to choose where I put my name. I'm going to choose where my presence will be. And all of the competition to me, all the false gods, all the false idols, you're going to clear them out. You're going to destroy them. You're going to create a place for me to put my name and these are going to be places where you're going to offer, you're going to worship, you're going to rejoice to me. And God's taking this very seriously, that he chooses a place to put his name. He chooses a place for his presence to be. 
And he is blessing the people here with peace, security, and rest after driving the enemy out. He says, make, get the enemy out of the way to make room for me. Maybe that will speak to someone here this morning. Get the enemy out of the way to make room for me. Drive them out of the land. And actually, we see a command in God's word there. We see a command to rejoice. You know, if I said to Lewis, like, listen, and I know you've had a hard time. And I'm like, Lewis, right now, you better start laughing. You better smile. You'd be like, look at me as if to say, what on earth are you trying to do? But God is actually saying to us, rejoice. Always. Forevermore. Rejoice. And I know it's hard sometimes to rejoice. And then in 1 Chronicles 15, 25, we see David and the Levites moving the presence of God because the presence of God at that time was, went with the, the ark. So they're going to relocate the presence of God from Obed-Edom's house. He's had the ark there for a while, and he's living an absolute blessed life because the presence of God is there. So they're going to move this to the new temple, but it's the manner in which they do it that's important. The manner. Now, they got it wrong the first time, and they got into big trouble. And God says, you're going to move my presence, the ark, but you're going to do it in, order, in an orderly fashion. Only my priests, only the Levites are going to move it. No one else is going to touch it. And it goes on to say there, sanctify yourselves and then do it in this particular, with this particular attitude, with joy. When you move my presence, when you move my ark, move it with joy, specific in the word. So there's another connection there between the presence of God and joy. And as new covenant believers, God's chosen to, to bless us with his presence, and we experience that as we draw near to him. Who's drawn near to the Lord this week? Don't put your hands up. We experience that as we draw near to him. The other place we experience the joy of the Lord is when we come into fellowship together, where, where two or more are gathered in my name. Uh, there I'm there in the midst of them. And so we find, that's Matthew 18, 20, we find God's presence there. So joy and rejoicing are derivatives of the same word, and they are an important part of our Christian witness. And so I, I, I think this morning might be a hard message for some of us to receive, but I'm going to go ahead anyway. I'm not ignoring the facts this morning that there's sorrow in the world, there's trouble, and there are trials, but I'm trusting for God's Word and the Holy Spirit to minister to all of us here this morning, to every heart, to reveal to us that seasons of sorrow, seasons of trial, seasons of challenge... And have you ever heard these word, words, um, cheerlessness, a dispirited heart, a dishearted, dejected, um, anguish and despair, gloominess, all of these things will not last. They won't last. They will not last. And if we look up 1 Peter 1, 1.6 in God's word, we read this, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Great, you've been grieved. For this time, you've been grieved by these trials. But it says there, rejoice in that. Rejoice. And so here, what we're seeing is that 
Sorrow or grief and joy can be present at the same time. Amen? They can be simultaneous. It's kind of like, well, how does that work? Where's the saying bittersweet maybe comes to mind? How can these two things exist together? And I think it's like that sometimes when um, Pat Robertson passed away this week. Pat Robertson, who was one of the pioneers of Christian television. I think, if I remember correctly, when I was growing up, there was something called the 700 Club on TV. And it was at Pat Robertson, Barbara, that was 700 Club. And this was in the early days of, of the charismatic movement. And there was, just a, there was just a massive revival going on in the world. And you have sorrow to hear that he's passed, but such joy. You have so happy because you know Pat is in heaven. By God's grace, he's in heaven with, with the Lord. Amen. And so these things can be the same. Now, as soon as there's, there's certain things that are the enemies of joy, but here's the biggest one, sin. As soon as sin enters into our mind and our hearts, joy leaves. Joy leaves. To get the joy back, we have to p displace the enemy. So the, the sin that's involved, whatever it is, the temptations that we're falling to or whatever, we have to do that. We have to get that before joy will come back. And a cleansing needs to take place. First, sin is there's guilt. Then sin is something that has power over us. We need to understand that sin has no power over us in the name of Jesus. Amen. It has no power. And Proverbs 28.13 confirms that. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes his sin will have mercy. Amen? Now, I, personally speaking, have a strategy to help to move forward and to get, leave those things behind. It's called being pregnant. It's called being pregnant with vision. It's, it's called being pregnant with something that is God has placed inside you that you can't get rid of it and it drives you forward and you, everything else is displaced because of it. You know, um, have you ever seen a pregnant mother? They are so full of, well, you don't want to get on the wrong side of them either, but they are, they are so full of the anticipation of the new arrival coming. Joy, they know, they know that there's a reward on the way. Do you believe that? And so um, I believe that something is birthed inside of us and it begins to grow and take form and there's a joyful anticipation of something new happening a new job a new position a new move a new something and that helps us to that helps us that helps us to, with with our joy amen and it's like bringing in the harvest is anyone here ever gone out and done a, a day's labor hard work i'm sure you all have Sometimes the reward comes at the end of the labor. You, the word says you, um, you, you sow in tears, but you reap in joy. You reap in joy. And uh, there's a guy, I say a guy, that's very irreverent of me, St. <laughs> <Saint> Augustine. 
And I, I, I found this and I thought, I can't read this to the church because they won't understand it. Not because they're not and they won't understand English, because it is full of these and those. And I, so I've paraphrased it. And St. Augustine says, when I completely hold fast to you, Lord, I will not sorrow or labor as my life will be full of your presence. Whoever is full of you, you lift them up. But because I am not full of you, I am a burden to myself. Oh, that hurt. Whoever is not full of you is a burden to themselves. And I thought, wow. I won't read the rest of what he said. That was enough to be getting on with. So when, when, when we hold fast to him and our life is full of his presence, we will not sorrow or labor. Amen. And I'm beginning to realize more and more that my daily joy is connected to the presence of God. So if you go through the day joyless or you're struggling to be happy, you're snapping at the kids, snapping at your hubby, snapping at your wife, snapping at your co-workers, you're really unhappy, you're really grumpy. Perhaps the antidote to that is being in the presence of God in the morning before you go out that day. Amen? Do you believe that? Philippians 4.4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full. Michaela, always be full of the joy in the Lord. Always. And again I say rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice evermore. How do you rejoice evermore? How do you rejoice evermore? How do you do that? How do you even do that? Well, there's a way. Joyless seasons come. We go through them in life. They're not supposed to last. But there's an, there's an expected end that God has for you. Look at God's word. The Shunammite woman. Amen. The, the woman in Luke chapter 7 who lost her husband and her son passed away. And she's walking with them on, on their way and, um, to bring, to, to, and she encounters Jesus. Jesus raises her son from the dead. And she goes on. Her sorrow, the Bible says her sorrow was turned to joy and comfort when her son was raised to new life. Wow. And I sometimes find reasons in the natural to tell God why I can't do something. I can't be joyful, Lord, today. You do you not understand what I've been through? And God says to me, David, I've given you my grace. I've given you my grace. I've equipped you to do everything that you need to do with joy in your heart. Is that not enough for you? It is enough. I've, give, I've graced you. I've graced you. God's word tells me to be joyful. It explains to me why I should be joyful, why I can be joyful. Because joy is part of redemption. We've been redeemed. And joy, joy is part of redemption. It's like a package you get. Joy is part of the redemption package. How can you tell if you've been redeemed? How can you tell? By the fruits of the Holy Spirit. By like we spoke about, Christine, do you not know that you must be born again? You must be born again. And then Jesus comes inside you and you, the fruits of the Spirit begin to come out. And the, the, the fruits of that redemption package. Psalms 51.12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous Spirit. Restore to me the joy. David prayed that so we can pray it. 
Father God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And I believe that that is going to bring you to a place of laughter and mirth and gladness. What is it like in heaven? What is it like in heaven? Will we be sleeping in heaven? I don't believe so. You can nudge the person next to you in case they are. There'll be, the place will be full of laughter, full of joy, full of mirth. <laughs> Amen. God tells us to be joyful. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit two weeks ago, there were people here being filled with the Holy Spirit. There were people being refreshed in the Holy Spirit, being endowed with the oil of joy, the oil of joy, the oil of gladness. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but it is living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Joy is a manifestation of what God's Holy Spirit is doing inside you. And it's not something you manufacture. Manufactured laughter doesn't last long. Now, I've heard the saying, you can praise yourself happy, and that is in the most sincere way. You keep on praising God until you're happy. You do that. You put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you've come into church this morning and you feel like there's a heavy cloak on you, you had the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Amen? Amen. The joy and rejoicing of your heart, your word, Lord. Amen? So there's joy. Joy, joy increases our ability to, to know revel the revelation of God too. Revelation stirs our faith. Oh, that's new. I never knew that. That's exciting. And then all of a sudden, our faith begins to rise because God is doing a new thing. Faith stirs up joy unspeakable and full of glory. It stirs it up. And I've, I've, I've grown up in church hearing people tell me to stir myself up. <laughs> stir it up. Stir it up. I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing something. He will stir you up. The Holy Spirit will, will, will first, he will, he will speak to you and he will address the things that need to be addressed and then he will begin to stir you up. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Amen? I believe, and this is only my personal opinion, that when you have been redeemed, Redemption, this is a strong statement, but I'm going to say it anyway. Redemption forbids depression. Redemption really does. Redemption, I know we, I know we, I also get gloomy, I get depressed, I have a heavy spirit, but redemption, depression is no match for redemption. It's no match. Amen. Amen. When we are saved, where do we sit? Where does, where do we, what does the Bible say? When we are saved, we sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where are the headquarters of joy? Heaven. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 22, I'm going to show you that. You've come to Mount Zion, 
to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Joy HQ is there, heaven. Joy, the headquarters of joy is heaven. The headquarters of joy, and if we're heaven, where God's presence is, there heaven is. And so when, he, when we access his presence here on earth, we are accessing joy. Amen. We have a reason to be joyful. And being in fellowship as well sustains the joy. Don't be, be in church, please. Your joy will be made complete when you're with other people. The further, the, the further away you are from fellowship, the further away you are from joy. If you're joyless, come back into fellowship. Come back to church. Come back to be with the people. Don't have fellowship with depression. Don't have fellowship. When you're not fellowshipping with Christians, you're fellowshipping with something else. Don't have fellowship with depression. Don't have fellowship with anger. Don't have fellowship with hatred. If we don't have a lack of joy in our lives, as I said earlier on, it's a one of our, it's our most important Christian witness. How can you be so joyful when all of this is going on around you? It gives us a chance to say it's because Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Lack of joy is costly. I want to give you, to close this message, I want to give you five quick points with scriptures. And I was listening to this message earlier this week, and it spoke to me. So I'm bringing this to you, these points. Lack of joy will lead to the loss of access to God's presence. Without God's presence, our lives are not going to make any difference. We need his presence for for our lives to make a difference. We can't do it on our own. Our, my, our, our charisma and all of that, gifts, talents, and abilities will not make any difference without the presence of God. James 5.13, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Amen. God inhabits the praises of his people. When we, when we begin to be merry... And not like, the, like in Joel where it says, oh, no, no, these guys, they're not drunk. Like they haven't had a few cocktails or beers before coming to church. No, this is the joy of the Holy Ghost. Merriness will erupt into praise. Merriness is going to erupt into praise. It's going to set your feet to dancing. It's going to erupt into praise. And God will inhabit that praise. And when God inhabits your praise you will experience breakthroughs. That's what I believe. Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth, for his unfailing love for us is powerful and his faithfulness endures forever. Whenever anything comes into God's, it's like Dagon. If you've listened to Leland's new album, there's a song on there called Fall of Dagon. Dagon was an idol that was set up in the temple. And when the, pres- when, the, when the presence of God was in there, the, what happened to Dagon? He kept on falling over. He kept on falling over. Anything that troubles you has to bow its knee to the presence of the Lord in your life. Anything that troubles you will tremble in God's presence. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. 
And every, everything that is sent from the pit of hell to challenge you, and challenges will come because champions are not champions without challenges. You're champions in Christ. And the champions will, oh, hang on, there's a new challenger who wants to come up and, and sock it to me. But to get to reach the prize of the high calling and to wear that belt, that, that prize and to be there, to wear the winner's belt, you have to go through challenges. We do all go through challenges. Number two, a lack of joy will lead to a loss of access to revelation. Who desires to have revelation in their life? When we have revelation, a door opens to supernatural breakthroughs. Revelation is the gateway to those things. Philippians 1.18 says, it doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice for I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Well, there's a way of deliverance that God wants us to walk in. The revelation provides that way of escape or that way of walking into a new season in life. Amen? So if we can have joy in season and out of season, whenever, if you're under attack, have joy. Joy is the covenant gateway to revelation. And the more revelation that we have as Christians, we find it in the presence of God, the more we will go from being, and the word tells us, do not remain baby Christians. Grow. If, you, if your growth is stunted, it's not natural. You will grow. If you, begin to, if you begin to feed on his word, you'll begin to grow and to mature. Amen. Because how will we go from glory to glory until the perfect day unless we're changed? How will that happen if we stay at one level in our Christianity? Number three, nearly there. Joy, and you've, that we've preached this one before, Joy gives you health and wholeness. Joy facilitates health and wholeness. A merry heart does good like a medicine, Proverbs 17, 22. But if your spirit is broken, it dries up your bones. The more joy, the more health we enjoy. And even in the midst of a hard, hard, oppressive time in your physical health, joy can still be present to help you through. Joy can still be present. Proverbs 18, 14, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but what happens if your spirit is broken? All is lost. All is lost. The, the, holy, the, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I'm declaring this morning that you will not be crushed under your challenges. We will not be crushed. Amen? Number four, without joy, and this is a powerful one, without joy, we lose access to divine intervention. Without joy, we might not see God getting involved in our situation as much as we would like. How do you know that? Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines... 
Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food. Wow, terrible. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, nekus in the shed, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Because the Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on the high hills. Now, do you notice in that verse there all of those things that we're not going to plan? There's no food, the animals, there's no, the, the trees are not blossoming, there's no fruit on my vines, all of this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and he will lift me up to the high places like a deer. Ah, oh. So genuine joy and rejoicing brings God's intervention to lift you up, even though there's no milk in the fridge, or you know what I'm saying, I'm being simplistic, or there's no breakthrough here, or I still don't have a job, or I'm still being bullied. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation and rejoice in the Lord always. And the last one, a lack of joy will rob us of our rewards of stewardship. And I know that we have a servant-hearted church full of good stewards. When you, does anyone here not feel looked after when you come into church? I hope not to see any hands because I know everyone loves coming here. They love coming to church because you all look after one another so well. Rewards for serving God okay? Rewards for serving God are only guaranteed by joy and rejoicing. I believe what we're getting at here is do what you do, but don't do it grudgingly. Don't make a big deal. deal. I have to check my heart. Sometimes I would say, Lord, why do I have to say five sentences when one will do? Why do I have to paint a picture of my circumstances instead of understanding, you've asked me to do something, stop complaining about the other stuff and just get on with it. Instead, I'm trying to be the poor soldier. Lack of joy will rob us of our rewards of stewardship. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47 to 48, because, <laughs> because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, because you didn't do it that way, therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness. You know, a lot of people have different motives. I do this, I need, this is my affirmation, this is what I do, this is what I need, this is what I, I, I need to, to get by, to have, have meaning, to be accepted, all of this. In terms of our, what we do with our, with our relationship with the Lord, serving God does not guarantee rewards unless we serve with a joyful and glad heart. You can put £100,000 into the offering basket this morning, woo, but you can do it with a grudging heart and it will not make any difference. And in fact, keep it. 
whether it's a penny or a pound, or a 10 pound, a 10 bob note, if there were any of those still exist, just keep serving God does not guarantee rewards unless we serve with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Joel chapter 1 verse 11, be ashamed you farmers, wail you vine dressers for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field has perished. The vines dried up, the fig tree has withered, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. When joy withers away, the harvest withers away with it. There's a harvest. It's a good harvest. I, I, do you remember those old movies you used to see? They used to always sing that. It always used to be like the Amish and the hay bales, bringing in the sheaths, bring, you know, and it was like just all this joyful kind of working together. In South Africa, where I grew up, the, it was, uh, you'd hear the song, Shosholoza, and they would work, the pickaxes would strike the ground and the spades would strike at exactly the same time. And people, the whole country, didn't matter what race or color you were, the words were shosholoza. And that is how people work together. Never seen an unhappy face in all my time growing up. People loved what they did. And so... We don't want to labor in vain. We want the harvest to be, not to wither. This is the final verse. Isaiah 45, 19. I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I couldn't be found. God would not have asked you to, to come into his presence if he was going to go and hide He's not, he's not in a hideaway. He's not hiding out somewhere. I, the Lord, speak only what is true and declare only what is right. So don't destroy your labor. Don't destroy your serving. Don't destroy your stewardship by having a downcast heart, by having a gloomy spirit. Don't fall into that satanic trap of depression. Know that Jesus is better and that joy that your joy will be full. If you keep on going, your joy will be full. Your joy will be made full. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, and I know we've got a song to go out with, but I want to bring that song into this very last bit here. It's just occurred to me. Don't be a slave to depression. Don't be a slave to discouragement. Don't be a slave to all of these things that are satanic traps sent your way to snare your life and to keep you there. Have you ever seen someone, an animal caught in a snare? The more they try to get out of it, the, the more damage that they do. But the word of God will open the, the, the mouth of the snare. The tr it will cause the, the fowler to, to disappear and remove his snare. He will do that. I believe that. Do you believe that? Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.